Okay, how's everybody doing? Good. Um, I just wanted to share that two, two years ago, we, that was only a vision for the youth, to actually have retreats, to actually reach out. And um, from all the sharing that happened today, I was actually blessed by that because two years ago, we, we were just hanging around. We were just not doing anything. But then I realized that, you know, it really takes time for people to develop. And we can't rush things unless God himself moves. You know, and when it does move, you know, things actually happen. People get blessed, I get blessed, and, and so on and so forth. And um, today I'm actually privileged to share. Uh, my name is Dion, by the way. Um, uh, this is my second time speaking, so if I mess up, I'm sorry for that. Uh, this isn't my fault. Um, I'm going to try my best. Um, today, I want to talk to you about mainly, I want to target the youth. Um, every Sunday, it's always, you know, we always talk about things and stuff, and it's always targeted to mostly our parents. And I feel that the more and more we do that, we're missing out on what we need to target the most. I mean, our age, my age, the younger, the older. And that's where I feel like this today is, this is who I want to target. Of course, I want to target the parents as well, but um, mostly I want to target the youth for that, just to challenge them at the same time, make them think. So, today I want to talk to you about um, faith in my eyes, the way I see it, the way it is meant to be seen, and not theirs. Uh, before I want to, before I continue, I just want to pray. Let's all pray, let's open it. Um, Father God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this privilege that you've given me a second time to speak. Uh, I admit that I can't do this without you, and I humble myself to you, knowing that I've done all the preparations that I need to, and the last part is you doing the rest. Uh, Father, open the hearts and your ears and the minds of your people that they may actually absorb and they may be challenged as well. Um, all things I ask in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so just by title itself, faith in my eyes, not theirs. What does, it, what does it mean? What does it entirely mean? You know, this is a target, like I said, to the younger generations. Not because I'm challenging you as, as you're younger, as your thing, but the thing is when we're growing up, there are so many things that come along, you know. Um, when I was growing up, I really didn't have a sense of identity. So I would often place my, my identity to other people, usually my parents, my friends, my role models, and all that. But I wouldn't really know where I am. You know, one day I'd be this, the next day I'd be this. And it kind of developed a sense of crisis, whereas I would wake up and like, Who do I, what, what? mask do I want to wear today, or what costume do I want to wear today, and the funny thing is, in all that spectrum of um, confusion, my dad had a sense of humor as to why he did that. Um, on some days, he would ask me to, you know, just wash the dishes, I'm like, fine, I can, I can do that. Some days, he would ask me to fix something, and I can do that, but on some days, he considerably thinks that I can fix a roof, and I, I have no idea how to do that, or fix a car, or whatever, but he just tells me to do that. Maybe it's the way he sees me, or that he doesn't see me at all, you know? And, and I was making this message, I really had this, this kind of burden that's, that stared inside of me, that's saying, how come parents always look to their children as if they're someone else? And then, you know, it's, it's, it's unfair, obviously, because I can't say who I am until they know who I am. And... I started to wrestle with that for like about two, three months and all that. And 
I came up with this mentality to the kids. Um, as I was preparing this two weeks ago, I was sitting in our house, like on the diving board. And the way you see it, you know, you guys know what a diving board is, right? It's it's meant to propel you. And I was sitting there, and I was looking at my life, saying, "Okay, I'm at this diving board, but I'm just sitting down." You know, most of us are on the edge of it. When we're looking at it, it's just, okay, you see the diving board and the pool's there. What are we meant to do? We're obviously meant to, you know, some people run and then jump. Some people just jump right away. Uh, I found myself peering in and checking how deep it was and then backing up, saying that, okay, maybe this isn't a good idea. The water's cold, all that. And maybe I'll step down and then just jump down. And I realized in our faith, most of us are like that. We know where we want to go. We know what God tells us what to do. But instead of running and jumping towards the pool, we look first, see if the water's clear, and then we jump. But we don't really jump the way we're intended to jump. So today, I want to talk about just three things. It's going to be um, really quick. I want to identify what faith is, personalized faith, and as application, it is doing, seeing, and believing. So the first question is, what is faith? You know, we all have this notion of identity of faith, like this is faith, this and this and this. Every um, culture has their own identity of faith. Every one has their belief of faith. But if you look at it, there's two types of faith. One is literal, like the dictionary form, and then the biblical form. According to Merriam-Webster, the dictionary, this is what faith is. You know, confidence or trust in a person or thing faith in another's ability, belief that based on proof, belief in God or in the doctrines or teachings of religion, belief in anything as a code of ethics, standards of merit, a system of religious belief. This is the literal definition of faith. Like if you ask someone on the street, maybe they'll say this, faith is this and this and this, because this is a known um, notion that it's in the dictionary. They wouldn't know any other way unless they are educated in some, in some form of background. And today I want to talk about what the actual biblical meaning of faith is. In Hebrews, this is going to be our main verse for today. Hebrews 11 says, now, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the convictions of things not seen. For by it, men of old gain approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made of things which are visible. And then we skip on to verse 6 by saying, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So, uh, does everybody have a chronicle with you guys? If you guys have, and just have something, uh, something the right way, if you have your phones, use that. But I want to, yeah, if you guys don't have a chronicle, raise your hand. We'll give you a chronicle. So every, everyone's good. Uh, okay, so I'm going to give you time to reflect on what your own definition is. Now that you know the literal and the biblical, how would you say that your own faith is? What is your literal meaning, your personal faith? And I want you to write it down. You know, I'm going to give you a couple minutes just to write it down. You guys got it? As simple as it is, what is your own definition of faith? What do you think your faith is about? And how 
it is relevant in your life. Make it as personal, make it as unique as you can. Okay, now with the, the description that you I want you to hold on to it and just, you know, continuously uh, digest it throughout the message. And uh, I came up with my own. This is my own definition of faith. It is, faith is not weighing all the options that we have. For me, faith is taking a step that God gives you, or me, and believing that this will lead me closer to Him. You know, what, what I mean by that? You see, sometimes when, when, when I think about things, I think about everything. And I usually think of all the possible outcomes, steps, consequences, and everything. And I pick which one has the least damage or the easiest or the most convenient. But then I realize that I'm not really putting my faith in God if I'm choosing whatever I want. So when I, when I thought about this is, you know, it's not really weighing about the options, but it's actually following what God tells me to do. And believing that that step will eventually lead me closer to God, you know. Three months ago, when I was writing this message, I actually went hiking on a trail by Arcadia. It's, I forgot the name, but it's, it's about a three-hour hike. And I left in the, early in the morning before the sunrise came up. And as I reached, not, not the peak, but the exact destination where I wanted to go, the sun wasn't up. And I saw tiny lights just flickering around. It made me curious what, to what it is. And then I realized when I approached it closer that they were actually fireflies. You know, I don't know if you guys can see it or the light, but you know, I'm going to play around with it. But just saying, if you, if, if, pretty much all those yellow tiny lights are fireflies. And why, like, why fireflies, if you ask me? It's, when I was looking at them, I slowly questioned why, how odd of a creature a firefly is. They don't really do anything. They don't. Um, contribute to like the cycle for pollination or anything. It's just that they just glow, and I don't know why. And then I realized that, you know, I wish that that mentality for the fireflies is the same thing for me. I usually question God, like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why, why, why was I made for this? Why everything? And then I realized the innocence and the clarity that these fireflies have. They, they, they never questioned what they were made for. They never tried to see what they can do. They simply woke up one day or they were, came, came upon this world and they did exactly what, what God told them to do, was to shine and then glow. And in, the, in a, ma- like a manner of display, when a couple, like hundreds of them gather, you see this, you know, it's, it's a nice sight. And I wonder if what if our life was like that? We stop questioning what we actually want from God and let him live the way he wants us to live, you know? And as a collection of a body of believers, will we shine, will we glow like that? And people will actually see us when they reflect us. Like when, when, when people come to us, do they see God in us? Because that's how we were made to be, you know? And that's just really a challenge. And they were actually glowing, not for their own pleasure. I mean, not for the pleasure of others, but... Pretty much they were just doing it because they were made to do that. 
And it's not for show. That's the way how God created them. And in, in the process, it really reflects how good of a creator God is. You know, it's just some of those things in him. First Timothy 1.5, But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. Like I under, underline sincere faith. Why? Because when we talk about faith, I don't want to confuse you guys by saying faith meaning salvation and then active faith. What I'm talking about is active faith. You know, salvation is, a, is faith as well, but it's on like a different side of it. What I meant by active faith is how we do things, how it comes out to you. Like faith that actually is a result, you know. And it says there, from a, good, from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Personalized, personal faith is about sincerity. It's about genuine, authentic, and personalized. And you know, I can name all these words that reflect to that, but it has to come from the inside. It has to come from you guys, which, you know, I want to talk about now is the second point, which is personalized faith. You know, personalized faith is the essence of a lot of things. And from what I, I see, you know, some of us here have been Christians for decades, you know, many years. Some of us are just coming just now. They're like baby Christians and, and just coming, they have all these questions and stuff. And some of us already know the Bible by heart. I mean, I, I don't, but I know some of us do and we live it out. But there is no way to measure faith. That's what I'm going to say. Because the faith of a strong believer to a new believer is the same. Faith is personalized. That You can't say that my faith is stronger than you or his faith is stronger than you. It, it doesn't matter because that's how the spectrum is. Like There is no right or wrong. You, the way you see faith is the way you live out. You know? And what, what do I mean by this? You know, even if you're like a pastor, even if you're just new, the way you see God shouldn't differ. It, it's only the way how you approach God. Maybe that's different. A couple of days ago, I, I think it was two, three days ago, when um, Pastor Rick Warren's son, you know, took his life. And when, I, when you think about it, he's a pastor of a mega church, author of The Purpose Driven Life. And you would think that, you know, maybe his family is also up there. But then we see a great divide by saying, here is the ultimate, you know, leader, example of faith someone who people look up to, a leader of a megachurch. And then we see like what happened to his son, that he would actually take his own life. Among other things, I mean, what the article said, that he had like depression and mental illness and stability, but he still kept going for a couple of years and then until he took his life. You know, one leader does not reflect the faith of the other. That's how it is. Even if your family, your parents are... Strong in the faith does not automatically say that you are as strong as them. And that's what I want to challenge you guys, saying is, you know, we should find our own faith, not put it on something else. And then faith is, we can't imitate it. Um, that's as far as it goes. We can't imitate or replicate or package it or send it out to someone so that it helps them. You know, I can't, my faith is different from from Nate. My, my faith is different from my dad. My faith is different from my sister. 
But in any other way, is it helping me be the person I am? Is it helping me approach God the way that I want to see it? You know, and that's the challenge that, especially for the children, for the kids, for the youth. We grow up knowing that, oh yeah, this is my dad, this is my parents. But is it your faith that you are looking up to? Is it the faith that you have cultivated? You know, I was in that, in that chasm for like a long time, like 17, 18 years, that I really didn't know what my faith was. I, I just went to church because my parents did. And when you ask me about faith, I'm going to tell them exactly what my parents say. It's an automatic reflex that I just do. And I don't know why, because I grew up like that. But then I realized then, how come if I see their life, it's vibrant. Something is happening. Something is moving. Whereas I look at it, that's the same faith that I believe in. But it's not happening to me. You know, the question is, isn't, is the faith right? No, the question is, is it my own faith? You know? Hebrews 12.2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before us, for him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, the perfecter of our faith, who else can do that except Jesus? The only thing we have to do is let him have our faith, because faith comes from him. You know, the, the way we live is a result of how he lived. He is a complete and perfect example of being Christ-like. And, you know, that's why we follow him, because you want to be like him. And we can't put our faith on something else. We can't put our faith on our parents, on anything, really, except on God. Because at the end of the day, it's only God who's going to mold you, who's going to chisel you, who's going to sculpt you, because he is the perfecter of faith. And that takes time. I mean, for some of us, it takes, you know, a quick, like, months, weeks, but for some of us, it'll take years. And it's a never-ending process. But in the end, the exact result that you can actually hope for is of perfect faith. Because that's where God wants you to be. And that's why he's bringing you from one place to the other. You know, and if you, if you read on Hebrews 11, it's actually giving you examples of different um, scenarios of faith. God tailor-fits our faith. What, what do I mean by that? If you look at it by faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen in reverence prepared an ark. His situation is what sculpted him or what, what helped him develop his faith. Everybody knows the story about Noah when he was burdened by, the, by God to say that there's going to be a storm, there's going to be a flood when there, there was no rain for many years. And his faith just pushed him forward to say, like, okay, I'm going to trust you, what you say. You know, that's his faith. Abraham, when he was called by obeyed, obeyed by going out to place which he was received for inheritance, you know, his faith was Sarah was being barren, and God promised to say that you will be a father of many nations. But how can you have a father? How can you be a father of many nations if you don't even have a son? Like there's no way to do that. But in his obedience, he followed, and it took more than you know. It took a lot of years for that to happen. And eventually when he had a son, it's another test of faith when he had to sacrifice Isaac. Did he falter? No. And he actually attempted to do it, but God stopped him. You know, as another, if you just keep on reading the whole verse of um, Hebrews, it's going to keep on going and tell you different examples of what faith is. You know, this is Sarah, by faith herself, received to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. In his old age, 
God still use her to conceive. You know, when when I when I look about when I think about faith, I I don't know how to stress it as much as I can when it says personalized faith. Personalized faith. To give you an idea of how personalized faith was important, let's look up. Let, let, you guys know the story of Moses when they were traveling in the desert for 40 years, and this is how the people saw Moses. You know, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. He, it, as one speaks to a friend, how intimate, how close the proximity is. You know, Moses did not leave the tent until he found an answer to God. You know, he forced God saying like, Lord, I need an answer now. Because his faith was his own. His faith was so intricately designed that only he could be the one to speak to God at that time. But the challenge is, you know, God always reveals to us, himself to us in many ways. And it's just like as one speaks to a friend. The way I talk to God sometimes is as a friend. It means um, Sometimes I'm frustrated. Sometimes I'm mad. But I always remember how close he is to me. That sometimes I'm the one who's stepping away from him, not, not God. And that's, that's, that's something that says about God. Like the fact that, you know, here's a God. We, we always get the wrong picture of, of God. Sometimes when, you know, when we see it, God is this mighty ruler. God is the creator of the universe, this big and gigantic being, you know. And we forget that he actually stepped down from that, became human, and died for us to actually say that I want to be your friend. And we forget that sometimes by saying that, God, you're so big that why would you even think about me? Why would you even consider having a personal connection with me? You know, and that's the wrong idea. I mean, it's, it's not even us. It's, it's God himself actually doing the process. All we have to do is open ourselves up, you know. Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Nothing is going to happen with us until our actions is something that we submit. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. That's a promise. I, I already know that just by saying that, you know, we have to believe that he will make our path straight. When, when someone promises something to you, your mentality changes. Like, I'm going to, I promise to buy you food. And then your whole idea just shifts. Like, you taste what kind of food you want to eat and all that, what you're going to eat, how much it's going to be. But why can't we do that with the promises of God when he says, like, in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. He's already there saying that, just submit everything to me, and I will make your path straight. Psalm 18.30, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. You know, God, I can name promises after promises after promises. And the important thing is, you know, you just have to understand that God is willing to shape you, to prune you, to like whatever, you know, because we are all a work in progress. That's how we are, you know. Um, as, as I was growing up back in the Philippines, that, that's me, by the way, um, I really looked up to my dad, the corporate, uh, you know, powerful, authoritative thing that I would actually emulate being him. And that's his shirt when he comes home from work. And it's obviously, it, it doesn't fit me. And that's how my faith was, that I actually put on his faith by saying that, okay, my faith is now the faith of my dad. But obviously, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. 
you know, either I cut it, have it altered, or I grow into it, which is both hard. I mean, I'm not going to fit the way he's, this body structure. So all these years, I, tend to, like, I was thinking, like, okay, I, w- I want to be someone. I want to express myself. And as I grew up, I started to lean on my mom by saying, you know, she said, just be yourself, whatever you do, don't forget who you are. But don't forget the principles of life, you know. So I grew up. And the, I still wore the power suit and everything, thinking that I was going to be my dad one day. And I had that rebel phase where I just went free. Like, I wanted to grow my hair. And it still didn't work because it didn't fit who I really am. And so I had this, like, crisis again by saying, who am I? Like, I don't know. And then my dad would encourage us, my parents would encourage us, you know what, just don't bother trying to fit in other people's shoes. Just try to be you in your own skin. You know, try to be as comfy as you are in your own skin. And so I did. I took everything off and I shaved my head, like, just to cut it. You know, and, I, and now that's who I am. You know, I feel free in my own skin because I don't have any, you know, clothes that were on me that didn't fit. And that's how I wanted to say what faith is. It's just taking everything off and starting all over again. That's how faith starts, you know. And in so many ways, there's always, you can turn back the lights on. In every way, there's like so many situations um, for our brother Lance. You know, his, his situation in this country was hard, was tough. But that doesn't mean God wasn't helping him be the person who he is today. You know, all those circumstances, all those trials shaped him to who he is today. I mean, I can, I can go on names, I mean, going on examples. Um, Tita Lynette, you all know her story. And her situation, I mean, she could take it, she could be bitter by saying, like, why do I have to be this? Why can't I be here? Why can't I eat this stuff? Like, but the thing is, God was shaping that, creating that story to a point where God moves, she can say that it's only by God's grace that this happened. And that's her faith. That's her story. And you can't, you can't put that in your own sense because it's hers. You know? The same with my dad. A lot of you guys don't know that my dad can't feel anything from the lower body down because of what happened a couple years, decades ago. Or I don't know what, exactly what year. But um, you guys don't notice it but every morning he has to wake up with a sense of sensation that he can't feel. And every, every morning he has to remind himself that it was either I would be dead by now or I would be paralyzed. And in that, in that time that he was thinking about that, you can't say who God is because his definition of God is different from my definition of God. You know, And what, what, what am I saying here is that no matter what situation you have in life or whatever you are going through, it may be, you know, green pastures or hard times. But take note or take in consideration that the hard part is way of God strengthening you for tomorrow. Does that make sense? Like, I, I can't explain it more, but, you know, whatever you are going through right now is only a minor detail that God is fixing in your life. Every day, every time you wake up, it's always a constant realization of like, what is my faith? What is God doing in my life? 
how is God making me stronger in my faith? You know? And I, I don't doubt that one day you'll see that. Maybe some of you guys see that already. Some of you guys don't. I mean, I'm not going to, don't be discouraged if you don't have your own definition yet, because I'm pretty sure God is working in your life and giving you your own definition. It may be different at this point, and then it'll change different again as you go on through life. But just keep on going and keep on doing what you need to do. I mean, obviously, um, a relationship with God has to be two-way. You can't just expect everything by saying, like, God, okay, I'll wake up and then just bless me, bless me, bless me. No, it has to be two-way. Like, you actually have to show some form of um, interest in Him. Like, you have to fall in love with Him because it says, like, submit all your ways, everything. It doesn't say submit some ways. It doesn't submit, submit this way, but it says all your ways to God. And I have no doubt that he was actually, or he will actually come through with you, you know. The third point is usually the crucial part. This is the meat of it all. Um, now that you know the definition of faith, biblically, literally, and your own definition of faith, I want you to hold on to those three things, your own faith, biblical faith, and literal faith. And just try to, if you see, like, the connection between them, that's good. If not, you know, just, just hang on. So the third point is doing, seeing, and believing. Yeah. I have this, this story when I was growing up in school. Like one of the teachers taught us um, on a retreat, and it stuck to me. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard the story, but it's about uh, the king and the boy servant. The story goes like this. The, the king is, is growing tired of how, I mean, physically he's tired health-wise, and he has no heirs. So what he does, what what he what he does is to give a test out to the the to the town or the city. He gives like a whole sack of seeds, the whole sack of seeds, and each citizen doesn't matter your age, you're old or young, gets one seed. And the challenge was whoever can cultivate or nurture the seed into a big tree, well, I will pass down my kingdom to that person, you know. So for many years, you know, a tree doesn't grow in like two years or three years. Obviously, it grows a longer in time. And this kid who got like the last seed saying years have passed and he planted it, nurtured it, watered it, everything. And he was seeing everyone's plant saying, how come my plant isn't growing? How come mine is still in the soil? Not, not even a sprout, not, not even a tiny movement. And people here are like producing flowers, fruits, trees, and everything. And years go by, and years go by, and he's just discouraged by saying, I, I, I don't know what's wrong. Am I doing anything wrong? But his persistence just keep, keeps on going. And his mom tells him that, you know, just don't give up. Maybe your seed is different. Maybe your seed is meant to be something else, you know. But whatever you do, just keep on going. Just keep on nurturing it and everything. And so the day comes when the king is on his deathbed saying, whoever has the tree, Come forward and claim your prize. The whole city had their plans. They were carrying it, pushing it, everything. And this kid just comes up with a pot. No, no, no tree, no plant, no sprout. And as ashamed as he is, he didn't want to tell people because people were looking at him down. He's like, you didn't even plant your own thing. Look at mine. It's a, it's a fruit. And then the king spoke. When he said that the seeds that I put in the sack were not meant to grow. And all of you switched out your seed for something of a different plant. And only one boy in this whole town had the courage to keep that pot 
and stick to it. You know, and he gave, he passed away and then he gave the kingdom to the, the king, the, the kid who became the king. What's my point in that story is no matter what struggle you have in life, what, what, even if you're not showing any fruits or anything, just keep on going because God has a bigger plan for you. The way you see your plan is much smaller than the way God sees your plan for, you, for him. For, I mean, your plan for you. And that's the mentality we always have. Like, how come my faith isn't growing while his is, like, producing fruit? And it discourages you by saying, like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. Why me? Why should I, why should I do things with much more effort while he doesn't do anything and still produces that much fruit? You know, we always have that discouragement. But then in that parable, it's just like, you know, the mom being, you could say that the mother was God, saying, you know, just keep on going. It doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter if it's growing or not. As long as you stay true to yourself, you'll eventually get there. You know, now to the, I want to address this question to the parents. You know, if you guys have children, ask them, ask them like throughout the week or maybe later is, how do you see your children's faith? Is it a reflection of you? Are you cultivating them? Are you encouraging them? Are you motivating them? Because chances are they're in this stage where it's confusion. They just want to, they need something to look up to, you know. Guide them to what your faith is, but don't force them. That's one of the big keywords. You can only do so much in cultivating that faith that the last thing you want to do is you want to shove it down because they'll lose interest right away, you know. I go back to Hebrews 11, which is the, the biblical definition of faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. For by it, men of old gain approval. You just keep on continuing. I'm just going like a recap. You know, verse 6, for without faith it is impossible to please him. Growing up, we had this thing in school that we had to write this on our papers every single time. Every paper, every drawing, every whatever that you had to turn in. What does it mean? It means ad maiorum de gloriam. In Latin, it means all for the greater glory of God. You know, you go through that motion for like 16 years, writing down to every paper. Some teachers actually deduct points if you don't put that on the paper, even if it doesn't count. But I mean, they, they deduct that. And throughout the years, you'll be just like automatically doing it, saying that, yeah, I had to do this because it's, it's required, you know, all for the greater glory of God, whatever. But then when you, when, when it, when you realize it, when you don't study like me, and you get a good grade, you'll be like, oh, yes, for the greater glory of God. You know, but then when you fail, it's, it's a shame to say that this is what I did for God. I failed, you know, and it just makes you think. And then if you realize there is a biblical definition for that as well, or, or the same equivalent in, you know, 1 Corinthians 10.31, for what, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's exactly the same meaning as that, but in biblical terms. There's a third point is, is doing, believing, and all that. You know, now that we have a definition of faith, faith is this, this, and this. It's active faith. Your own definition, look at it right now and say, are you actually doing what First Corinthians is saying? Does it reflect by saying whatever you drink or eat, whatever you do, you, do you do it all for the glory of God? 
does your definition of faith reflect that? You know, James 2.17, in the same way faith by itself is not accompanied by action, is dead. What does that mean? If you have your faith, and that's your own definition of faith, is it producing result? Is it producing actions? Do people see that? Can you say that your faith is moving in a, in a way, in a direction? Because you can say that I have faith. I have, I have faith. I know, I know who God is. But I don't produce action. The same way my faith is dead. Because faith should be moving outside of you. It should be emanating from you. Luke 9.23, you know, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. It didn't say take up your cross, take up that guy's cross, take up your dad's cross. No, it's saying take up your cross. Because your cross is your own faith. Your cross is what molds you. Your faith is your story. Your faith is your situation where you're at right now. And he, he, tells us, he urges us to pick it up and follow him. You know, my cross might be different from you guys. It might be smaller, bigger, rougher, smoother. But each one has their own cross. And that's what you pick up, not someone else's. You know, intimacy requires the amount of searching, which results in us being filled with presence of God, which is the reward of faith. This is my description of the pinwheel that we... You know, for... Two years we've been talking about intimacy with God, and then we moved on to the presence of God. And then I realized faith is a part of that. Because when you look at it, faith is a pillar. And with, with faith, the more you grow in faith, the more intimate you become with God. And the more intimate you become with God, the more presence you have with God. And the more presence you have with God, your faith develops even more. And what can be in the center of that is discipleship. As we all the leaders have been like hammering with you guys. Discipleship, discipleship. That fits everything. You know, your faith might be different, but it doesn't mean it can't encourage someone. You know, it might be different, but in one way or another, someone might be going through the same situation as you are, and they might not tell you or what, but, you know, it encourages them. You know, your faith can bring them closer to God in intimacy, and as they develop their own intimacy with God, they produce a presence of God. And it goes back to faith. You know, the whole concept of discipleship is strengthening one another. You know, as iron sharpens iron. That's how the Bible describes, you know, camaraderie, friendship, or like, you know, discipleship. Second Peter 1, 5, I'm almost done. Um, For this very reason, make every effort to add your faith, goodness and to goodness, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control and to self-control. Perseverance and to perseverance, godliness and to godliness, mutual affection and to mutual affection, love. For if these qualities are yours in increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. And the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is never ending. If you claim your faith and you actually act upon your faith, faith never stops. It's only going to increase and increase and increase and increase. What does that mean? The more you live up to your faith, the more you are intimate with God, the more you are um, exposed to the presence of God, and the more you dwell on discipleship, it's just going to keep on growing. It's not going to go anywhere but outside. You know, you can't say that, oh, my faith decreased. Because if it's sincere, there is no way it's going to decrease. It's only going to get bigger and bigger. And the problems you have is like your testing ground. God's not going to give you 
a situation where you can't handle. Because he knows you. He knows your heart. You know? And he's putting you in that situation because he knows you're going to grow out of it. And when you grow out of it, that's when you can say that God is real. You know, in the case of Tita Lynette, for how many years, months, he was waiting for a kidney. And when that kidney came, in her heart, she can actually say that God gave me this kidney. And you can't say that because it's not your own story. It's not your own situation. And that's what, that's what I'm saying. You know, faith is like a crown. And we should never be ashamed to wear it. Usually when we have faith, we keep it in our pockets. We keep it in a bag by saying that, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm, this is my faith. But in the other way, it should be like, this is my faith. You don't, a crown, you don't need to boast about it. When people see you a crown, they know it's a crown. And if you wear it as a crown, they know it's faith, and they know that you're acting upon God. That's how it is. Yet we put our crown, the God-given crown in us, in our bags because we're ashamed to wear it. You know, we don't want people to see that we are children of God. In high school, um, I used to love... Shakespeare. I hated it. I hated Shakespeare, but I loved his work. And, you know, as a, as a, as a, a freshman when reading this, that's the exact scene that stuck out to me. It's in Julius Caesar before they were plotting to kill him. It says, when Brutus was talking to the group of men, he says, There is a tide in the affairs of men, which taken at the flood leads on to fortune, omitted all the voyage of their life, is bound in shallows and miseries. On touchful seas we are now afloat, and we must take our current when it serves or lose our ventures. I don't know if you guys understand that, but <clears throat> the way I see it, it's saying that every human being in this world has their story, has their current. What people do is they don't ride their own current. They look for a boat to ride that current. They look for someone and they tag along that current. But what happens when they do? It says there, or lose our ventures. If we try to live some, a life that's not ours, we may miss out on what God is planning for us. We might lose on his grand design. You know, we might lose on what God intends us to do. That's why it says that we must take the current when it serves. The current when it serves is our situation. Are you taking control of your faith in this situation, or are you still hiding by saying, no, I'll wait for some other time. But, you know, when will that time come? Sometimes the current passes and it's gone. You know, it's, it's the voyage. It's bound in shallows and miseries if we lose it. That's what it's saying, you know. You know active faith is not a series of formulas designed to be used for a problem. Sometimes we use our faith as a token by saying, I'm going to get closer to God so that he can help my problems. And then when he does, we back away. And then when we need problems, we step away again. You know, what happens is God becomes a cosmic vending machine only when we need it. <clears throat> like a genie, like, you know, the other message says. An active faith is the invitation to know the character of God intimately. It's not a requirement. It's not, it's not a condition. You know, faith is what God brings on the table to say, come and know my character. Your faith, I'm going to share my faith with you and you'll know exactly what I mean, <clears throat> you know. Um, I was thinking about this when, in the context of salvation, there's always this part where, in Revelation, it says, like, Behold, I come at the door and knock. You know, if anyone comes with me, eat with me, and dine with him, I eat with him. 
I always thought about that as a form of salvation. When you say that, oh yeah, God is coming in, which it is, by the way. But when you think about it, have you ever had a dinner that's the same? Each dinner is different. The people you spend with, the food you eat, the quality, time, duration of the meal is different, and it will never repeat. That's how unique it is. And God is saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, he asked for the salvation. At the same time, he wants to cultivate your faith. Because the dinner with God is as intimate as you can, as special as you can, you know. And, I mean, I'm going to end here by saying that based on what you wrote down, now that you know the definition, the literal and the biblical, you know, where do you stand with your faith? I think last Sunday we talked about the four soils. There's like the, the rocky, the, the hard, the thorny, and the good soil. You know, it's, it's sort of like a testing. You know, like based on what your faith is, where can you say you are? Are you there in the good soil moving and, you know, fruitful? Or are you in a thorny soil moving to the next one? Or are you in, in whatever, you know? I can't tell you where you are right now. All I can do is encourage you that wherever you are is to not stop. You know, faith will come to you. Your faith will be the ones that you're going to hold on to. And it's in your own faith that God will actually come to you. Because he's going he's gonna to step down to who he is just to, reach to, to pretty much cater to you. That's how he is. That's, that's my God. That's our God. The fact that he would do that to reach out for me is, is just beyond me. You know? And like, I like to end with that by saying just, you know, keep on going. Personal faith is personal faith. I can't give you any of my faith or someone else's faith. The rest we can do as, you know, as a body of believers is encourage one another. You know, if someone is going through something, encouragement could mean some, a lot to them. I mean, it did a lot for me. So I just wanted to end with that. You know? And before I um, end, there's going to be discussions, which is this See, that not, the reason why I wanted you to write it down is because I wanted you to share with your breakout what your own definition is, how the definition came about. You know, as a child or a parent, how was your faith different? And then four, how can you bring, how can being in a small group help you, your personalizing your faith? You know? So with that, I want to close in prayer. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, I thank you for this time. Um, I thank you with praise and thanks. I just Pray that you would guide these people as they cultivate their own faith. Be with them in every single day. Uh, I pray that you would speak to them in every small matters of their life, whether it be a heavy or a light thing. And thank you for just opening up your word through me, and I am really blessed. I think I'm the one who's really blessed by sharing this. And I hope that throughout the week they would see who you are, see your true face, and identify their own life. And I just thank you. God, bless the breakouts. Um, be fruitful in their um, discussions, and I thank you for the food that you have prepared for us. I pray that you may help us nourish your body and keep us all safe throughout the week as we head our separate ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.